I sometimes wonder whether students think that everybody who teaches here has been playing music since they were born. Some of us have been. Some people start playing violin when they're four years old or whatever, but uh, many of us came to it later on. For me, I started playing guitar, I think, at 12 or 13, but it was kind of under a little pressure from my mother in an unusual way. I really wanted to play guitar, and she was all for it, but I told her that everyone who plays music has already started, and I missed the boat at the ripe old age of 12. Obviously, that was a ridiculous notion to have had. And so my mother uh, convinced me that if that was something I was interested in, I should really pursue it. Uh, I was at the age where Nirvana came on TV and a flood of amazing guitar music came out shortly after that. It was really inspiring. And there was a guitar sitting at my house even then, I didn't totally connect that this object that was in my house was something that I could use to play the music that I love. And I had an older sister who had older friends, and one of them was at the house and picked up the guitar and played part of a Nirvana song, and that was the moment that the light went off. Okay, that thing can do this. I could use that to make the music that I wanted to make. So I signed up for lessons, and uh, I never stopped. My name's Nick Feneff, and I teach guitar, electric bass, electronic music, and I'm the co-director of the rock band program. Welcome to Sound in Color, the PMAC podcast. And that was Nick Feneff, Portsmouth Music and Arts Center guitar instructor and electronic music instructor, talking about how he found his way to music lessons a little later, age 12, not too late. Um, and now Nick very much subscribes to the it's never too late to start a musical instrument philosophy. My name's Russ Grazier. CEO of PMAC and your host here on Sound and Color. Uh, today we have a very special guest all the way from Serbia. Alan Ilyich is a composer, guitarist, pianist, and performance artist. And he happened to be visiting the University of New Hampshire this past fall. And I connected with Professor Rob Haskins from UNH about having Alan come and do a performance at PMAC. So he came over to PMAC and did a concert. 
and uh, we had some time to sit down and chat a little bit. So we're going to feature that conversation today. Alan is an absolutely amazing, very experimental avant-garde composer, and the reactions to his music by our audiences were really spectacular. And uh, the conversation after the concert that happened with the audience was in many ways as important as the music that happened during the concert. He's such a kind and caring musician, and we were really happy to have him here in the States, and we hope to have him back soon. Here's my conversation with Alan Ilyich. So Ilyich, yes, Alan. Is it Alan or do you Alan? Alan. Alan. Yeah, it can be Alan. Can be Alan. It's very Alan. American. Well, it is. Yeah, uh, it was given to me my, by my uh, grandma. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Your first name? Yeah, my first. Is there some meaning behind your grandmother giving you that name? Well, I guess I don't know. Maybe she liked Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he's Alan Woody. You know. uh-huh. My grandma was Jewish, so I guess she wanted to keep some traces of that. You know. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming to PMAC. Is this is this your first time in uh, New Hampshire? Yes, this is my first time in United States, actually. Really? Yeah, and I came to the best place. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for coming, and you're spending a few days over, or maybe a few weeks over at the University of New Hampshire. Yes, I'll, 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 I've been here for like last week and I'll be here for one more week and then I'll have to go back. I have a lot of things to do, you know. So. How's, your, how's your first experience in the United well, States? Well, I'm, I'm just amazed, you know. I mean, I didn't expect that it's going to strike me this, you know, much. You know, I did travel a lot and I lived in England during the 90s, but this is something, this is like another planet to me. You know, I'm uh-huh. so happy that I came, finally came here to the country where, I mean, I gained a lot from, you know, in terms of art and music, I guess, you know, this was very nice experience up to now. And I'm sure it will be on in another week or so. Yeah. Well, so what brought you here? Well, it was, uh, I got in touch with Professor Haskins, uh, Rob Haskins, and actually he approached me and he liked what I do. So Mm -hmm. that's how we kind of started communicating and we became very good friends. And then he suggested that I should finally come to America and do some performances at the, first of all, New Hampshire University. But then your place came up, which I was very happy when I found out that I'm going to be doing gig here. So yeah, it was mainly done by Rob. And you say Rob was really attracted or uh, mm-hmm. liked what you do. Describe for us in your words mm-hmm. what you do. Well, I've, I'm actually, I'm, I'm trained as a composer mm-hmm. and um, I regard myself as a new media avant-garde composer and I'm, I, I say for myself that I'm radical in sound and visual also I'm also involved in visual arts yes. so yeah I'm kind of I'm, I would say that I'm uncompromising radical uh, avant-garde composer and performer visual artist that's also. fantastic and um, it's something that is not always the case that you run into composers who actively perform their own music. Um, 
do you have is your music often performed by other musicians yes yes it is uh i i write very often i write music for other people and i i was lucky that it was performed by some great uh people performers for example currently i'm writing a piece for Karine de Fleit who is known uh, best known for her collaboration with Professor Stockhausen. Yes. She worked with him like for 12 years. I think she actually grew up with him in his village which yep. he had. So it's such a pleasure. It's, you know, she approached me. She liked what I do and she thought like, yeah, why don't you just write something for me and I'll also do another piece for her trio. She's got trio. It's called Sonora. Okay. Yeah, and they are based in Leeds. They're all professors there. So and what's the instrumentation of that trio? Well, it's piano, uh, piano, cello, and flute. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a piano trio, but with a flute instead of the yeah, violin. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I already done a lot. Yeah, but I'm gonna spend some time with them in in Leeds, and that's gonna be very interesting to kind of communicate with them and see what the other possibilities are of extending the material which I wrote. Mm -hmm. And are are you able to make a living as a composer or do you do other things as well? Well, I, I teach from time to time, you know, yes. it's it's impossible to make a living. Uh, yeah, that's been my experience with most composers, that it's really yeah, tough. I mean, I guess it's everywhere, yes. you know, so, yeah. but especially in in Balkans, in, in, in Eastern Europe, it's like, uh, this kind of music, it's, I guess, it, I can say that doesn't really exist anymore, you know, like since the breakup of Yugoslavia when we had, let's say, that uh, Tito's regime, yep. you know, it was still functioning because we had six uh, huge cities. We yep. had Belgrade, Zagreb, Ljubljana, Sarajevo, Skopje. You know what I mean? But now when the country is actually divided and they all became these uh, separate republics now, so it's kind of, uh, you know, it's be became very hard to to have any performances uh, yeah. for in this kind of written stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And are you from Belgrade? or? Well, I, I spent my most of my life in Belgrade, but I actually grew up in very small town in eastern part of Serbia, which is actually very near to where, where uh, Bela Bartok was born. Oh, really? So I could, I, I would, I would actually, I can actually see his village from the, the, the place where I live, you know, so oh, I would, wonderful. I remember when I was younger and I started getting into music, you know, I would stand on the Danube and, and look far towards Bartok's place. The uh, Portsmouth Symphony Orchestra is playing his concerto for orchestra next oh, month. Oh, brilliant. Right I, wish, I wish I was there. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful piece oh, of music. Well, I, I guess it's his, uh, uh, he said to us goodbye with that piece. Yeah, yeah. He did say, and he, it's just monumental piece, really. Yeah, no, it changed the way people view the orchestra. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, so, Tonight, here at PMAC, you're going to be performing, and here you're performing on piano for mm -hmm. one piece, mm -hmm. and then you're performing on guitar mm -hmm. on another piece. Um, for you, mm -hmm. um, how is it different to write and perform on those two different instruments? Or does, or is, mm -hmm. do they, cr I mean, 
it's a hard question to ask for someone who plays both actively, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, is there a very distinct way that you view each one differently? Well, in terms of uh, structure, no, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, not really. And I, I actually try to avoid the usual common stuff, which is mostly played on both of those instruments. So I guess mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, the same, it's just different medium. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm using, for example, for uh, guitar, I use different tuning, which uh-huh. it's actually part of one of, it's actually one of my scale, which I, six tone scale, uh-huh. row, whatever we want to call it, you know. So I've been using it like for for last 20 years. So I'm kind of, it's connected. It's very much. Is it much microtonal at all or is it just? Well, it's got microtones, yeah. It's got, okay. but now I have new strings and this, that bothers me, you know. Cause uh-huh, yeah. Because <laughs> it, it changed that, that kind of microtones change, you know. Uh, it depends. I actually like when the strings are older, but you know, I wanted to make it all perfect. So <laughs> I think and for I, the for people who might be listening yeah. who have not heard that term microtonal yeah. before, it's you know, for it's a very it can be very specific or it can be a little unspecific, but mm. it tends to make up the notes that fall in between what we know as the traditional exactly. twelve notes of the piano yes. or twelve notes of our exactly. our Western culture. Exactly. We call it microtonal. It may not necessarily be called microtonal in other cultures, mm. um, but for us, it's subdividing the tones into even smaller pitch increments. Exactly. Right, and yes. some composers use it for color. Some composers use it for the quality of the actual pitches exactly. of the notes. Do you lean one way or the other? Is it more color? for you or is it more um mm. or is it more actual pitch function well it's both i guess i've studied a lot of haber's music uh, alois mm-hmm. haber was czech composer i guess who st- was the first in european music to introduce the the microtones and, mm-hmm. and he actually built the pianos uh, which were based on that system oh wonderful. They, yeah they, they look weird actually people can check that on the internet so it's Alois Haber. Yeah, so I studied his uh, harmony, which is completely different Uh from the, let's say, this uh, traditional one that we all did, you know. And at the same time, I like Indian music, you know. I'm very inspired by Indian music. And, you know, as you said, they they call it Shruti, for example. They have, like, uh, as far as I remember now, uh, 42 notes in the scale actually yeah, so within an octave within an octave yeah. so it is color so in same time i loved cages prepared prepared piano mm-hmm. so you know it is it's got everything it's got percussion percussion which i also love i love percussion so it's yeah i guess it's both you right yeah well it's, i think it's important and i think that sometimes players more maybe more than composers or maybe composers who are performers and performers sometimes view actual standard western notation notes as color as well you know and they play a strong role in that i was just speaking with someone about the music of scriabin and the impact of color in scriabin's work um so it's it does it transcends just the idea of microtonality who who would you consider your big influences are i mean who influences you as a musician or a composer as a a, uh, well i'm very inspired by i'm not only into like musicians i i was reading a lot since Mm -hmm. i was young and for example i loved kafka 
And I, I, I love uh, Nikola Tesla, for example. Mm-hmm. He was Serbian-American scientist. He was very interested, interesting person. Uh, and I, you know, I was blown away by his, by his inventions. Yeah. But regarding music, I really love uh, Bartok. I love, uh, I love Stockhausen. He, he is probably one of the greatest composers from the 20th century. I love Steve Reich. Mm-hmm. I love uh, uh, John Cage, we mentioned. Uh, you said Scrabbin. I love Scrabbin. And I think he did amazing piano works, which I always love listening yeah. to his pictures at the exhi- exhibition. Uh, fantastic, you know, so... How about um, musicians outside of maybe the classical world, but more in the pop culture? Are there, um, or or art or literature outside? I mean, Kafka can sometimes be considered more of a uh, broader cultural mm-hmm. type of uh, art. Um, are there musicians or artists that mm-hmm. are more pop culture that influence you? Definitely. I, I was, uh, well, two bands I really love and I love them since I was a kid. One is Sonic Youth yep. and the other one is Joy Division. So I guess I always go back to this. I see them as uh, the greatest achievement of popular music. So that is... Yeah. yeah. They're they're hugely popular in the United States too. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess they, they're great. I mean, they're, they're the best thing in my opinion that came from popular culture and from America. I mean, if we are not talking about Beatles uh, in England, Elvis mm-hmm. Presley in here, I mean, for me, the, these two bands are the, the greatest ones, you know. I just loved them. Yeah. So did you ever play in a band like that? Well, I actually, I, when I started making that kind of music, yeah, I was emulating them, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we all do. Yeah, so I, you know, I had this band called Zealot in England while living in England, and it was inspired by this no-wave movement. Uh-huh. You know, I loved that record also. You probably know that one, No New York mm-hmm. record, which was produced by, by Brian Eno. And, uh, you know, of course, I tried to copy that, but then I realized that I should stick to my roots, you know. Uh-huh. So, but I guess, of course, the the influence of, of Sonic Youth and Joy Division is there, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think they're great. I love what Kim is doing now. Actually, she's got really nice duo. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called uh, Bodyhead, I think. Yeah. Yep. It's Bodyhead. They're fantastic. Yeah, I mean, she's... I mean, anything she plays is just so natural and so beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. she's also a great visual artist. Yeah. Thurston Moore actually was here in Portsmouth recently oh. with his band. Oh, yeah. And, and did a show over at 3S Art Space, which is another venue here in town. Um, and uh, it's exciting to see Kim and Thurston still being very creative today oh, and yeah. still continuing to, to create music. Yeah. And um, for you know, that still allows all that sonic youth music to uh, yeah. to thrive and feel yeah, like it's right. alive, even in this day and age, um, even this, since it's been a while since they've recorded together. Yeah, it was the last time, the last album I had that one is Eternal, and I think it was done in, it was done four or five years ago. Yeah. But it's a very good album. So, um, 
One question I ask um, a lot of musicians who have teaching experience, who teach mm -hmm. um, when they come through uh, and visit us at PMAC, is what advice would you have for a young student, a young musician who's possibly considering studying music or even considering a career in music? Um, you know, what advice do you give to kids who uh, want to pursue either composition or performance and want to go into music? What do you, do you have any words of wisdom that you would share with a young student? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, they should be first thing that they they should be open minded. I guess they mm -hmm. need to follow what what was done in music before us. You know, go go back even to the, the baroque if they need. I guess. They, of course, I mean, practice makes perfect. We need to, to do some practicing. We need to look at the art in general also. And imagination is very important. As Einstein said, I think, I think he said it's more important than the actual knowledge. I don't know if that is the case, but it is very important. Mm -hmm. So they should, they should try and, and, and be themselves with yep. all that practicing. Because, you know, when you... Uh, you probably know that. I mean, you get, you can gain all the knowledge. You can learn all the techniques like that. For example, Bartok had or, or Hindemith or I don't know. We can talk about Reich. But then in the end, you need to do something on your own. You need to have guts to kind of break all that. Uh, break with all that you learned. Mm -hmm. which is very hard so it's a, it's a process i i would tell them yeah it's a long process but once you find your formula you'll be free to kind of be fast while creating and enjoy that you know have fun also mm -hmm. i guess that is i learned after many years of kind of punishing myself with <laughs> lot of work and lot of uh, writing and lot of practicing that I actually you know i i learned Finally, I learned to enjoy myself, and uh -huh. that is very important for young musician to to enjoy what she or he do, you know. So does so, yeah. Um, and then, I mean, of course, luck is something that probably play. Uh, you know, you know, it's like if you go right, you may end up meeting someone that will change your life you go left you may not do anything it's like yeah destiny yeah yeah so i hope yeah that uh if they st you know i guess it's dedication yeah it's also dedication they need to dedicate themselves i mean it depends what they want to do you know i was very serious about this you know uh -huh. i kind of uh i would i don't know if my life would be worth without creation you know so I guess you have levels and levels of people being musicians and creators, you know, so it depends, you know, if you just want to have, just want to have fun, you can play in pub band and that's great. Yeah. Also, yeah. you know, so, but if you want to leave something behind you, then you're going to have to work a lot. Yeah. That's and solid advice. Well, it's, I guess, it's honest, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I don't want to, you know. I'm, I remember when I started teaching, I was uh, saying to my students, "Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, it's okay, you know." But then you actually realize that not everyone can do it, you know. The way, uh, you know, for example, the way uh, Bartok did, or yep. Cage, yep. you know. So 
It yep. takes a lot of energy, dedication, talent. Yeah, I mean, we can't go against that, you know. Yep. We possess it or we don't, you know. And it's 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 matter of how you use it, you yep, know. Yeah, definitely, so, definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming and visiting us at PMAC. And we hope you have a great experience here in New Hampshire and come back sometime. We'd love to have you back in the future. Well, Russ, I, I want to say thanks. Yeah, this was a great experience. And I'm, I'm so thankful and privileged to be your guest. And I hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Sound and Color, the PMAC podcast. I'm your host, Russ Grazier. The PMAC podcast, Sound and Color, is produced by Pip Clues with executive producer Jennifer Minicucci. On today's episode, we heard Off the Coastal Plain by the band 5813 from their album Faulting and Uplift. Nick Feneff, who is featured at the beginning of this podcast, is a member of 5813, so please do check them out online. And thank you again to Alan Ilyich. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation. We hope to have him back soon. PMAC is a 501c3 nonprofit community music and visual arts school, and we hope you're enjoying our podcasts. <laughs>